Good morning, church. It's good to be in God's house. Thank you, Wendy, and the praise team for leading us in worship. Um, it's amazing how when you're prepping for a sermon, it can be different at different times. This week seemed to be a little difficult for me for prepping for the sermon. It just didn't, like, you know me, I'm a very emotional person. I mean, unlike Chad, I, the Psalms hit me. Like, I love the Psalms. Psalm 51 is the one I go to when I've sinned and I need to confess. Psalm 34 is my favorite Psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times. His phrase shall continually be on my lips. That seems to be my, the whole chapter seems to be my life verse um, for me. So I was happy, honored uh, when Chad uh, asked me to be a part of this. Um, and I, I was looking forward to it. And then, and then I started prepping for today's sermon and it, it just didn't come. But thankfully, it, God was right on time. So I'm happy to be here. It's always, a, I'm a movie person too. So there's a movie called uh, Preacher's Wife with Whitney Houston. And um, she's talking to her mom about her husband. And she says something negative about who's a preacher. Her husband's the preacher. Ergo, the preacher's wife. Um, so, um, but her mom says in response to this negative attitude toward her husband, it's never wrong to preach the word of God. So um, I want to tell you that and uh, kind of go off of what Chad was saying about the church, not just the pastor. It's never wrong to speak the word of God, whether it's in a pulpit or whether it's at, in your home, workplace, grocery store, whatever it is. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, the word of God and counsel. So I am glad to be here. Um, it is an honor it's always an honor to stand in the pulpit and before you, my church, and to preach the word of God. I do want to thank you, though, um, because you, as a body of believers, uh, gathered around me and my family when we went through uh, the cancer that I had uh, several months ago. And um, I've, it's been about two months now that I had the surgery. And uh cancer-free, bless the Lord. Yes. Um, still recovering from the surgery, but thankful for modern medicine. Um, I would encourage you to do the same with those that were mentioned today, with Edith and Arlene and her family and um, Fred. So, um, so today, as Chad said, we start the series, uh, Summer in the Psalms. And I'm the lead-off batter, so here we go. <laughs> um, the book of Psalms is one of the books of biblical wisdom literature. It is also a book of poetry and is considered the hymnal of the Bible. Uh, David Jeremiah, who is a well-known pastor, uh, introduces the book this way. The Bible comprises many different types of literature, including narrative, prophecy, and epistles. The book of Psalms is the largest repository of poetry in the Bible, and as a poetic book, it should be read differently from other types of literature. It is largely made up of images, beautiful word pictures meant to be savored, pondered, and viewed in our mind's eye, intended to connect the reader or worshiper on an emotional level more than a logical one. It should be read through the lens of symbolism, illusion, metaphor, simile, and depth of meaning, just as 
we would read any other book of poetry. However, Psalms can also be mined for its deep theological truth. If we remember that the vehicle for communicating that truth is different from that of an Old Testament narrative, a gospel account of Jesus' life, or one of Paul's epistles, most of all, the Psalms should be appreciated for their beauty and emotion, and it should be used as a means of worship. Um, So if you have your Bible, whether it's in print or on a screen, uh, we ask that you turn to the, I ask, that you turn to the book of Psalms, and we're going to read from chapter 1. We'll read the whole chapter, it's only six verses long, and we're going to be reading from the New King James Version. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So if we break this down, verses 1 and 2 seem to be the actions of man. And um, we're going to come back to the blessed part. Blessed is the man. We'll come back to that. But um, so the actions is one who does not. Blessed is the man who does not do this action, who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, who does not stand in the path of sinners, who does not sit in the seat of the scornful. This is kind of lo- uh, an, a logical progression of um, sin. First, we kind of walk in the counsel of the godly, meaning we kind of we just listen a little bit. We we um, kind of take a little bit of heed, but we'll walk with them and, and talk with the thoughts of sin. Um, then we kind of instead of separating and continuing our walk down the path we should go, we kind of stand and take a moment to kind of rest from walking, but also to ponder the thoughts of sin, to kind of say, hmm, and let that thought marinate in our mind and take a hold of our thoughts. And then when we finish the standing part, we sit and we become active in the part. We let the thoughts take Action through our bodies and hands and eyes and um, that kind of thing. So we first we walk, kind of allowing the thoughts to come into our mind and let them stay there instead of just taking every thought captive. And then we stand and we ponder the thoughts. We kind of think about it and let them. In. And then those thoughts actually become um, actions. Uh, we are advised in Psalm one not to do that. Um, what we are advised to do is we are advised to delight in the law of the Lord. Now, I had to look up delight because for me, a delight like delights, I think of um, snacks. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm Southern Baptist, so I have to think of food. I think of a delight, like, oh, a cookie or a nice pastry at the bakery. So, But <laughs> delight means to take pleasure in. So blessed is the man who delights, who takes pleasure in the law of the Lord, and who meditates in God's law day and night. So I kind of, I looked up meditate too, um, because this is, you know, most people, when you hear the word meditate, this is what you think of, home, you know, clear your mind and and be at rest and whatever flows in, flows in. Um, But what this, that's not what this is talking about at all, just to let you know. Um, But meditate actually means focus one's mind on, think deeply or carefully about. So blessed is the man who meditates in God's law day and night, who really focuses in on God's word, God's law, and thinks deeply about it. It's not just a passing thought. It's not just, oh, yeah, well, I'll I'll get to that later. But like, uh, for instance, you read a scripture in the morning and that scripture stays with you all day and you think about what it means, not just on maybe the level surface, but going deeper and what what that possibly could mean and how that would apply to your life during the day. Um, so I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. Well, on the surface, that that's good. And I know we've probably heard that a lot and uh, it's used a lot in services. I will bless the Lord at all times. But going deeper, uh, I work retail, so I'm just going to use retail examples. Um, when a customer is not so nice, and um, you get yelled at, are you going to bless the Lord at all times? Is his praise still going to be on my lips? Um, so that that is like meditating on God's word and, and letting that um, kind of marinate in my mind as I go through the day. Um, okay, so verse 3 and 4 are the results. So if we don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, if we don't stand in the path of sinners, if we don't sit in the seat of scornful, One, we're promised to be blessed. Now, looked up the word blessed too. (laughs) Dictionary got to work out this week. Um, The first word for blessed is happy. I don't like that. um, Because I think blessed is so much more than just happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. It's not lasting. It's fleeting. But then the next um, word was inner peace. That one I like. Um, the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's a blessing from God. So we have inner peace as a promise if we do this, meditate on God's word. So we're blessed. We, this is where poetry comes in. Okay. So don't think of it literally. Picture this wonderful, get this picture in your mind of a beautiful, and I'm going to say oak tree. Of this beautiful, tall, full oak tree that's planted by the rivers of water. That's what we're promised. This is what we will be like. Um, it bears fruit in its season. It, its leaf never withers. Um, I, and I can just picture this big tree, you know, that you would hang a swing on and the kids could swing in. and then Or a rope and you swing on the rope and jump out in the water and then or um, you know or you rest underneath you have a lovely picnic underneath of it Um, that's the picture that uh, scripture paints for us Uh, as a result we're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water 
take it a little deeper. Um, I'm going to get a little theological. When we're planted by the rivers of water, our roots are dug in and the river of water is Jesus. So our roots, we will eternally be a tree because of what Jesus has done. Um, So all a metaphor, all picture, but it's a rich picture if you let your mind think about it. Um, So those those are the results for the godly. For the ungodly, okay, so the godly here we see this rich, full, lush tree. For the ungodly, it says they are like chaff. And if you know what chaff is, it's the casing of like wheat. And if you do this with wheat, it comes off and you take the seed out. And even if you don't do anything, the chaff just blows away because it's so light. It doesn't take root. It doesn't land. It goes basically wherever the wind drives it. And so that is the ungodly. It's like chaff driven by the wind. So verses 5 and 6 are the consequences. We have the actions, the results, and now the consequences. The consequences for the righteous, we shall, and these are all inferred by the consequences of the unrighteous. Okay, let me say that. So let's start with the unrighteous, the ungodly. They shall not stand in judgment. And this one is, is the picture for this is hard for me because I think of, of um, it's not something that I quite picture right. But standing in judgment means that you're able to stand before God in, in rightness. Um, they, the ungodly, will not be able to stand. They have nothing to stand upon. They have nothing to stand for. So they will not be able to stand in the judgment of God. They shall not be in the congregation of the righteous. They will have no part of God's kingdom. Um, and their way shall perish. Um, they shall be judged. They be, shall be left out of the congregation of the righteous, which means they shall be judged to eternal condemnation. And which the worst part of eternal condemnation is that there is no hope and that you are separated from the loving God. Um, they will have no hope for all eternity and they will be separated from God. The righteous, on the other hand, shall stand in judgment. We st- shall stand before God. We will have something to stand upon. Not of our own works, but of the grace of God. And we'll get to that a little later. Um, we shall be in the congregation of the saints. Now this one, when I read this one, I'm like, oh, we're going to be the great cloud of witnesses. That's pretty cool. Um, never been a cloud before. but um, So we'll be part of that great cloud of witnesses. But the best part is that the Lord knows their way. The Lord knows their way. He knows what is in store for them. He knows how to handle them. He knows what to do with them. That's eternity with God. We will spend all eternity with God. Now, as I was going through this, um, the Lord, I was doing some other research, and so I found a um, parallel, kind of a parallel scripture in Romans. So I'm going to read Romans 8, 1 through 17. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So in the New Testament, kind of like the parallel verse, first we find the actions of God. God sent Jesus, who met the demands of the law through his perfect life, his death, burial, and resurrection. We could not meet, we still cannot meet the requirements of God's law found in the Old Testament. We, it just cannot be done. So God, in his great love and mercy, made a plan so that we could fulfill the law. That plan was Jesus, his son. He lived a perfect life, was sinless. He died a cruel death on the cross. Um, he had to die that death. He had to shed his blood because scripture says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. It had to be a blood sacrifice. Through his burial, he physically died and he was physically buried in a borrowed tomb and in his resurrection. He physically rose from the dead. That was the action of God. Now, the consequences... Now, the results, excuse me, the results of man is that we can walk in the spirit, in the spirit, in this newness of life that we find in Christ. We walk according to the spirit. This is the meditating on God's law. That's how we know how we can walk according to the spirit. The spirit will never, ever contradict the word of God. Then we can also live according to the spirit. And we can set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Those are the results for man. Now the consequences are these. This is, this is one of my favorite verses. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, that's a great promise. We don't have to stand in fear. We don't have to walk in fear. We don't have to live in fear. Man, I don't know what it's going to be like at at. at at the great judgment seat. I don't know, you know, at the judgment seat for anyone who's been washed by the blood, who's accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, who's a follower of Jesus on this journey of life. We don't have to fear condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm happy about that because I know who I am. I know what I've done. <laughs> and I know that the blood of Christ covers me. Um, so there is no condemnation. Um, we are set free from the law of sin and death. I do not fear death. Um, I kind of fear how I die. <laughs> I, I don't want it to be painful. Um, I'd like to die in my sleep, you know, just my, but, you know. But I don't fear death itself. Um, I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, like, being transported to heaven. Um, I don't know what heaven is exactly going to be like, but I know this, I'm going to be there. 
I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed against that day. I know that I know. I was talking to a um, client. We just I told him I was preaching, and um, I told him, we were talking to someone, and I said, well, you know, I have a daughter. I said, one of the, you know, most parents, what they want for their children is that they want their children to be happy and healthy, and, which is good. You know, those are good things. But I said, I said, the one thing I truly wanted for my daughter was I want her to know Jesus. I want her to have a, a relationship with God through Jesus, his son, because that's eternal. And we talked a little bit. And he said to me, he said, you've really dug in your heels on this, haven't you? I said, I most certainly have. <laughs> um, there are things that I will bend on. There are things where I hope I am compassionate and not legalistic. But there is one thing that I will dig my heels in until I die. We need Jesus. And out of God's great love, he sent him to us. We often say, well, I found Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus found us. He searches for us. He comes after us. He chases us because he loves us so much. That's a whole other sermon about the lost sheep, so I'll go on. Um, So there's no condemnation. We are set free from the law of sin and death. And we are children of God, adopted into the family of God. Joint heirs with Jesus. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this side. Anyway, um, we are joint heirs with Jesus. Every heavenly, every blessing in the heavenly realms belongs to us because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Every spiritual blessings. We are joint heirs. So anything that Jesus receives in heaven, we will receive in heaven. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Not because of what we done, what we have done or who we are, but because of what was done at the cross of Calvary and the empty tomb. That's something to get excited about. Because I know I'm not worthy of that. Okay, so let's, um, so Psalm 1 let's, and Romans 8, let's get into some practical application. So what does this mean for us? How can we apply something that was written thousands of years ago? Um, how can we apply that into our lives today? Okay, so in Psalm, when, when they talk about the law of God, they mean God's word. That was God's word. Okay, so we need to read God's word. We don't just need to wait on Sunday to hear it and then in small groups hear it again. We need to read God's Word. I'm not being legalistic about this because um, I'm not the best at this. When I grew up, it was, if you're going to be a good Christian, you're going to have a daily devotion. You're going to spend time in prayer. You're going to spend quiet time. You're going to read the Bible. You should read the Bible through every year. And you should memorize all the Bible. You know, it was... They met well. But it was... You know, they, it was pretty legalistic, you know. If you're going to be a good Christian, you have to do this. And this is the way to do it. Well, what I found for me, Kurt, this works for me. I'm not suggesting it for anybody else. It works for... And Chad and I have, Chad and I have actually talked about this. What I do is in, in the morning, and I'm not regular at this, so don't think I'm bragging. I'm not. Um, 
I read one verse of scripture. I mean, one chapter, excuse me, one chapter of scripture. That way I can meditate on one, but no, I just, I read one verse, one chapter of scripture. And then the following day, I read that chapter again, because my mind doesn't remember things very well. Just ask my wife. I frustrate her all the time. I don't remember. Um, So I read one chapter one day. I read the same chapter the next day. Then on the third day, I go to the next chapter. That way, it, it allows me to remember things better. It allows me. And then I get to meditate on that for two days instead of just one. Um, so read read the word again. Whether it's I'm old school, I like having a book in front of me. I just I just like that. Plus, my eyes are getting older, and the screen gives me a headache. Um, but if you have, you can get. There's no excuse for not having the word of God. If you need a Bible, if you want a hard, if you want like the written Bible, like a book, let us know. We'll get you one. You can put it on your phone. You can put it on your iPad, any electronic device. Um, so just just be in the Word. Um, why? The Word of God is active and living. It's not just like, you know, you read a good book and at the end you're kind of like, oh, that was really good. I, I, like a month ago, I read a, a good children's book. Um, and I was like, oh, what happens next? Um, but the Bible is, it, is so much more than that. Because it, God speaks to you through his written word. It is active and living. And when you're in the word of God, you get to know the word, which means you get to know God. Which is the next thing. Know God's word. God's word says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So if you know God's word, you know Jesus, because Jesus is God's word. So knowing God's word is having that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, his son. And it is an, it's a growing relationship. It, it's a continual relationship. It's not just like, okay, I'm saved and that's all I need. No, every day with Jesus. Be in the word, get to know Jesus. You get to know Jesus through his people. You know I am a firm believer in the local body of Christ. I've not hidden that from you. Um, man, you want to know the love of God? Get in church. God uses his people to show his love. I, listen, if I were God, I would not use people. I'm just saying. I would use angels because I know it would get done. You know? But God in his greatness has chosen to use human beings. He even sent his son as one of us to accomplish his work. So get to know people. We're not perfect. We will fail. But we will also be victorious. We will love. We will do our best to love and to uplift, to encourage. If you want to know Jesus, get to know the church. The body of believers. That's one way we know God's word and God's, to know it, to know God's word. Also, live God's word. How do we live God's word? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we uh, make that choice to follow Jesus, we are given the wonderful gift 
of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Um, so we live God's word. Um, so I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. That doesn't mean I have to be happy about every circumstance. Again, I work retail, and there are days when I just want to bless someone with a brick. Um, but I like, I need my job, so I don't. Um, but I can bless the Lord for self-control. <laughs> and I can bless the Lord because he's still God. And that's never going to change. I don't have to be thankful for the circumstance I'm walking through, but I can be thankful that I'm not walking through it alone. That was a good place for an amen. All right. I said that to Cindy last night. She goes, well, if you have to ask for it, it's not a good place. I said, well, you still need a match to light the fire. Anyway. Um, So as I was preparing this week, uh, I'm on Facebook, and I came across a, a Facebook post. It's called Daily Jolt. And it's by Ron Larson. Um, He uh, used to be a missionary with the North American Mission Board. He now uh, runs his own ministry and is, I believe he's a church planter as well. Um, And as I read it, it quickened my heart to Psalm 1. Um, It quickened my heart because I could um, relate to it. So I want to read a portion of it to you. You've been found out, and now the embarrassment is overwhelming your emotional reservoir. Perhaps it was a blatant error error in judgment, a large mistake at work you should have caught, an intimate conversation that slipped out of your mouth without discernment, or a sin you, you were caught in and now it has been publicly exposed. You feel ashamed. You avert other people's eyes for the fear of what might be seen reflected back at you. You avoid going into certain places for fear of who you might run into. You wonder if you will ever live this down. You feel like you will carry the stigma of what you did around for the rest of your life. You think about running, getting away where people do not know, do not care, or can never know. But you're trapped by the words of your mouth, the discovery of your actions, and the compromises of your character. It's time for a new beginning. Stop walking in the counsel of the ungodly and walk in the spirit by confessing and repenting of your sin. That's the first step. Stop walking in the counsel of the ungodly and confess your sins. Walk in the spirit. First John 1 and 9, a great, great promise of scripture. If we confess our sins, he, being Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's not what Aaron says. It's not some pie in the sky. That is the word of God. It is the truth. If we confess our sins, God will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Stop standing in the path of sinners. Live in the spirit by stopping the sin and following Jesus. Proverbs 18.10 The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into and are safe. Romans 6, 1 through 7 What shall we say then? 
Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united... If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Live in the spirit. Stop standing in the paths of sinners. Claim the promises of God. Stop sitting in the seat of the scornful. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Stop dwelling on the past. And this is so hard sometimes because the evil one just throws it in our mind all the time about what we've done, what we've done wrong. Even the church sometimes tells us, you can, you can never serve God again after what you've done. There's no, you're, you know, you can't do that. But we need to stop sitting in the seat of the scornful and stop sitting under their influence. Set your mind on the things of the spirit and stop believing the lies of the enemy. Which these are some of the lies. You've gone too far to be forgiven. You're worthless to God. You'll never be used of God. In the book of Revelation, there is a scripture verse that is used so often as an invitation to the lost. It's Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. And we say, oh, that's God knocking on the door of the lost. Actually, no, it's not. This was the letter written to the Laodicean church. To the church, not to lost people. This is very encouraging. Because if we think we've gone too far, if we think we've shut out Jesus, Jesus is still standing at the door, knocking on your heart, wanting to have a restored relationship with you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you open it, not only does he say, I will come in, I will dine with you. What an intimate picture of a loving Lord. It doesn't say I'll come in and we'll we'll make things right and I'll you know I'll punish you and then and then you'll be okay. What he says is I will come in and dine with you, dine with him and he with me. What a beautiful just that intimacy of dining together, sharing fellowship over over dinner and and just Having that time alone with Christ. After you've, you know, you've kind of, Laodicean church was neither hot nor cold. God said he would spew them out of his mouth. And yet he's, the promise is, listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you let me in, I will come and we can have that intimate relationship again. What a wonderful promise that we have. I don't know where you are today in your walk with Jesus. Um, 
we're all somewhere, as our pastor says. We start at not knowing anything about God, and we walk the journey as we grow more and more. We know more, and then we, we experience him through a relationship. And then, of course, the end of the journey is when we get to see him face to face. But we're all on that journey, somewhere on that journey. Psalm 1 is a, is a very poetic psalm that has great promise for us. But it also has great promise for the lost and for the saved. Because it reminds us that there is a congregation of saints that God wants us all to be a part of. That he wants us to be active in. That he wants to be not just not just the church. He wants to have an intimate relationship with us through his son, Jesus Christ. Do you meditate on the word of God? What is your delight? As you go, as you go today, I, what, what will you delight in? And you can have momentary delights. Like I remember growing up in church and I would sit in the pew with my family and often I would think, ooh, after church, mom's pot roast is waiting for us. And I took delight in that. <laughs> um, but what do you delight in on a regular basis? Do you delight in the word of God? I, I hope you do. We're going to have um, Wendy and the team is going to come up and we're going to have a time of reflection a time of decision. Um, this time is an open time for you just to spend time with the Lord. Maybe he has spoken to you and there's a decision that you want to make or that you need to make. You can make it privately if it's just between you and Jesus. If you want to make it publicly, um, Chad and Callie will be up front. To, if you just want to pray about something, um, this is the time to do that. It's still, we're still in worship. We worship through song, but we worship through heeding God's calling, whatever it may be. So let's stand. Let me pray, and then we'll sing. God, thank you. Oh, thank you. Hmm. That you desire us. You desire to have relationship with us. Even after we've failed you. Sometimes we may have even denied you. But you still desire that relationship. Thank you, Lord. Move in us now. May we respond appropriately. To whatever you are calling. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.